Are dreams reality and reality is dreams? Could I live in space if I got really good at holding my breath? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday we investigate a different paranormal case and decide within the hour if it's truly paranormal or not. As always, you are joined by myself, Mr. Kit Grimalvena, this guy across from me. Mr. Roy Powers, how are you doing today, Roy? I'm doing great, Kit. Um, Very interesting intro questions right off the bat. A lot of my knowledge of space and what happens in space uh, does come from children's cartoons. Mm. And I would love to know how much of it is real. For example, if you take your helmet off in space, does your head inflate like a balloon before exploding? Yeah, was that in cartoons? I mean, it seems too violent, doesn't it? But I think, I mean, it it's is. It's in my right? memory Yeah, as well. why, why was that a thing? They would always take <laughs> off their helmet and they would turn into a balloon animal and then burst into a, a ball of flesh. I just think the problem is breathing, right? What is space well, no, if not <laughs> up water, up sea? <laughs> Okay, but I think there's also... So it's also, a bit like... There's also dangerous the levels of radiation. To, and, sorry, I'm just trying to get okay. the thought out here. In the same what way is, that what is one... space but up water? In the same way that one must right. learn as a child to swim in the ocean, one must also learn to live in up water. Uh, yeah. I just want to go on record and say that it's not obviously just holding your breath. Mm. I think, you know, being up in, in space, you're exposed to dangerous levels of radiation. Get a good tan, though. There's no atmosphere up mm. there. So, I mean, the pressure alone. I think atmosphere is overrated, to be honest. All right. But I'm, I'm just saying, if you think, Zero you can, G's, if you think you're going to be okay up there because you can hold your fun. breath. I've seen you hold your breath before, by the way. You didn't make it more than 17 seconds yeah, well, I have asthma, before you collapsed. But I really floor. think that the asthma will, di- will dial back a little bit once I'm basking in all that solar radiation <laughs> kicking back on the rings of pluto pluto doesn't have rings hmm? saturn has rings well learn one thing about space before you go up there all right the crisp white sands and and pure waters of pluto <laughs> am i thinking of the caribbean <laughs> i've seen you almost drown in down water in earth water yeah, well, so no, you don't uh, need to be going up i didn't to say up i water. could swim all right i really think i'll be able to swim better in up water okay okay i think, we I think we're good this is besides exactly. the point on this episode, we're going to dive right into a huge investigation. So thank you right off the bat to Tammy Nichols for sending this one in to this Paranormal Life podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Tammy. We're in Aberfan, Wales, about half an hour from Cardiff. We're in New York. I don't know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> Are you questioning my pronunciation of these authentic Welsh place names that I couldn't be bothered to look up? I think you're doing a good job. We're about half an hour outside of Cardiff. The date is October 21st, 1966. Though the mining industry is in steep decline, still 8,000 residents of Aberfan are employed at Merthyr Vale, a hundred-year-old coal mine. (laughs) Wales probably isn't the country to not care about the pronunciation of. Probably any other country that we've been to, like South America, uh, in Asia, people don't expect us to know it, but I feel like Welsh people might care. Yeah, we're kind of obliged. I'll get uh, I'll get my, my Welsh colleague Gav to dub in some of these names oh, shit. in post. You guys sound kind of alike. People go about their business as usual. The miners are working in the pits, children safely at school. As far as everybody knows, a completely normal day is about to unfold. But this day was about to be anything but normal. Meanwhile, 160 miles away in London, dance teacher Kathleen Middleton Whoa! Aw- awakes with a start. 
She gasps for breath, feeling as if the walls were closing in. She can't shake the horrid feeling as she sits at the breakfast table. Her lodger, Alexander, strolls into the kitchen, stifling a yawn after finishing his overnight shift at work. He notices she seems a bit off. (sighs) Morning, Miss Middleton. Is everything okay? Just a bad dream. Not another one of those visions of yours. You see, Kathleen Middleton has a habit of seeing into the future. A habit? She has it. Well, yeah, it's like a little fun little hobby on the side. Why? Is it by choice or is it just kind of thrown, thrust upon her? Well, she couldn't shake the horrid feeling of dread gasping for breath (laughs) at the breakfast table. So (laughs) probably not uh, by choice. She hasn't worked as a psychic or ever publicly shared her gift, but throughout her 52 years, she experiences headaches before things happen. Information about impending disasters just occasionally pops up in her head. I hope not. This one was really bad. I need a cuppa. Blimey, you never have tea. You must be rattled. Within the hour, it becomes clear that Kathleen's gut is correct. One of the country's worst mining disasters is about to strike. After weeks of rain, the piles of coal dust on top of the hill above the town are heavily saturated. At about 9 o'clock that morning, 150,000 tonnes of built-up coal waste starts to slide down the hill towards the town at a frightening pace. Whoa! It moves too quickly for the town to evacuate, and it eviscerates everything in its wake. The sound is like a roaring jet engine. The landscape is decimated and entire buildings are swallowed by the avalanche of coal dust that has been building up on top of the mountaintop for decades. My god! Pipes burst and start flooding the valley. Every able-bodied person in the village swarms to free the people trapped under the debris. People comb through the rubble with their bare hands. Soon bulldozers are mobilised and silence falls as rescuers strain to hear the survivors. Residents of surrounding towns hear the news and rush to lend a hand. Phone lines jam as so many people offer help in any way they can. Requests for rubber gloves turn up thousands of pairs. A fundraising campaign over the coming weeks draws in millions in donations. But despite the massive efforts, 144 people die in the disaster. Holy shit. This is pretty dark for a a This Paranormal Life episode. Sometimes reality is dark. I did an episode a couple of weeks back on the Lizard Man, and I thought that was edging maybe, you know, and a little too real of a territory. I thought that was a little intense. A couple episodes ago, you suggested we move to Chernobyl. That was for a mine. That was to go live in a mine. Okay. That was for our own good. That wasn't for a dark reason. <laughs> so that mining disaster was fine for you, but <laughs> this mining disaster was. is too dark? Pretty crazy. I actually, yeah, I didn't really know much about the history of this disaster. Truly a tragic moment in, in British history. Here is just for reference a picture of the village and you can see the pretty conspicuous mounds of coal above the town and then the uh, trail of coal down towards the town wow yeah this thing uh it, it looks like a volcano went off essentially and like seeped down into the town how do, how is this not addressed sooner to have this giant pile of coal building up right on top of the mountain above a town my god like Once you see what happened here, it feels like it was probably pretty preventable. Sadly, very true. Among the hundreds of volunteers is 42-year-old psychiatrist John Barker. When he arrives, the emergency responders are still digging through the rubble. He begins striking up conversations with locals, trying to keep their spirits up. He's comforting a young mother, Mrs. Davies, when she tells him a strange story. 
You're going to think I'm crazy. I shouldn't be telling a psychiatrist this of all people. But I can't shake this thought. What's that? Last night, my eight-year-old Paul was drawing. I popped my head over to see what he was drawing, and I thought it was the strangest thing. A picture of a huge group of people digging at the bottom of a hill. At the bottom of the page were two words. The end. John mulls this over as he walks around and speaks to others, but is again shocked when he speaks to the mother of 10-year-old Errol Jones. She recalls that the day before the disaster, her daughter looks up and says, Mummy, let me tell you about my dream last night. Mrs. Jones is wrapped up in her housework. Darling, I've no time. Tell me again later. No, Mummy, you must listen. I dreamt I went to school and there was no school there. Something black had come down all over it. Kids are so creepy. John Barker can't believe what he's hearing. What are you thinking if you're John at this point? You just came to help out uh, in this terrible tragedy and at least two parents immediately confide in you that their children psychically predicted this event. If if I ever have a kid and I wake up one morning, we're down at the dinner table and, and, and the kid goes, oh, papa, I must tell you about my dream last night. And I go, I'm, like, I'm late for work. I can't really do it right now. And oh, the papa. kid goes, but papa, you must hear it. I'm like, well, now I absolutely don't want to hear it because it's going <laughs> to be something good. weird. You're good. a weird little kid. And I didn't want to say this in front of your mother, but you scare me sometimes. I've seen the drawings of the darkness, writing the end, signing it off with the end. Uh, I don't want to hear it. I think uh, I think maybe it's something that will change when I have a child of my own. But uh I know. I, th- I would find this so creepy. Because to be fair, you're just scared of children full stop, right? Non-stop, yeah. And I got a whole bunch of the little bastards. So you'd think, you know, you'd think I would have gotten used to it by now. But it's borderline a horror game every night when they stay over. Which is like, is messed up because you did work in Disneyland for a while. For a while. Why you applied for that job is beyond me. Yeah, well, it was like, I thought it would be, you know, it, when you're afraid of spiders, they say the best thing to do is like cover yourself in spiders. No one says that. So I'm afraid of children and talking mice. Okay, I think we so better stop at before you incriminate yourself. <laughs> I couldn't make it five minutes into Ratatouille without freaking the f*** out. Children and talking mice are the most terrifying two things on this earth. Horror movies are relaxing to me. It's, yeah. it's f***ing wholesome stuff that's terrifying. Children, puppies, falling in love. That's really scary. Because what's more scary than opening up to people? <laughs> Luckily... He isn't just a psychiatrist. John is a paranormal enthusiast in the middle of writing a book about people that can predict the future. He's most interested in investigating people who know that they're going to die. So immediately after visiting Aberfan that day, John writes a paper for Britain's Society for Psychical Research, which we've talked about many times in the past. I still don't really know what these guys do. But... I feel like psychiatrist slash paranormal enthusiast is a bad career combination. Oh, God. That's it... like being policeman slash criminal. <laughs> Those are two very contradictory things. You shouldn't be trying to understand the human mind and also think that ghosts are real. Like I... <laughs> You're not going to get a lot of help from the man that thinks the problem might be there's a demon in your ass. If I, as, say, for sake of argument, a depressed person, and I look through the yellow pages and find, oh, great, there's a local psychiatrist to me, John Barker. He sounds like a respectable uh, gentleman. And Good then name, I yeah. go to the, the office and, hey, um, I had an appointment with Dr. Barker. Yep. Come on in. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. My name's Craig. Um, pleasure. Pleasure. If you'd just like to take a seat here on the couch. Yeah, yeah. I'd um, love to. Just relax. 
Um, you know, I like to just get into these things in a very informal manner. Uh, it's your first time, you know, we don't want to open up too much. So sure. That, uh, Cause I, yeah. Cause I do feel, you know, like <laughs> this is the first time I've ever talked to a psychiatrist. So I guess I feel like a little in the dark and a little, um, worried maybe about the process. So. Of course. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to be worried about. Speaking of the dark though, the dark arts specifically, um, have you ever participated in the dark arts? That was an incredibly pregnant pause. Um, no. You All know, right, that's good. I, I'm way too anxious to be, you know, messing around with the dark arts or whatever. So okay, that's good to know. If you take take a seat on the couch, you didn't I'm, sit I'm down already on the couch. On the couch All actually, right, I, so. sorry, I'm just looking at my notes here. Uh, I'm just drawing a crucifix on my page. Uh, tell me, tell me about your childhood. Um, was your father a man? He was. Good to uh, know. Good to know. That's he a is strong start. A, 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 a man. Yeah, um, yeah. I had great parents um, growing up, and do you ever see them? Pass through a wall? Did their feet touch in the a, ground? Did they have feet? Does my father have feet? Was your yes. house underground growing up? What are you getting at? Did you open the door just then or did you float through it? I wasn't paying attention. I'm starting to feel anxious right now. Is it, can, we, can we put a pin in this? You lock the door. <laughs> I've got you cornered. You f- Ghost. You're going to want to take two of these. Pulls out a double barrel shotgun. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> he, t- he turns into a ghost, floats through the door. <laughs> I knew it. That's right. So John writes a paper for Britain Society of Psychical Research, an organization entirely dedicated to investigating the paranormal. He announces that he intends to compile people's premonitions of this disaster to see if anyone truly predicted what was going to happen. Word of this reaches the local papers and towns around the area and immediately people start writing into John. I'm looking forward to seeing the scope of this. You know, was it just a thought or was it, as we have seen before, more drawings or premonitions in that sense? Mm, yeah, that would be interesting because, you know... hindsight's twenty twenty. It's really easy for people to go, yeah, no, I actually what I had a bit of an upset stomach the morning of. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's easy to kind of put that in your mind that you felt that way beforehand. Yeah. But if there's some physical evidence, like the kids had, that's, that's some interesting stuff. In total, 76 people around the country wrote to Dr. Barker to say they predicted the coal slip in one manner or another. He replied to around 60 of these people and started driving around the country visiting those that seemed most promising. He was astonished at what he heard. Two days before the accident, a Lancashire man dreamed about buying a book from a machine with the word Aberfan on it, which he had never heard of before. A woman at a religious meeting in Plymouth had a vision of a small school, a Welsh miner, and an avalanche of coal hurtling down a mountainside towards a floppy-haired boy. So pretty... Oh, very vivid. Pretty black and white. Yeah. yeah. More than, yeah, the book with the name of the town on it. She claims that she told six people about her vision before it came true. When all said and done, John is most intrigued by the seven correspondents who had physical symptoms, like Kathleen Middleton, the woman from the very beginning of our story. He develops a theory that some people have a medical condition called pre-disaster syndrome and that it could be as common as being left-handed. John decides the most sensible thing to do is to establish the British Premonitions Bureau with the help of the science editor of the Evening Standard newspaper. A year-long experiment to collect people's premonitions in the name of science. Wow, so we're, we're talking about a team here uh, similar to the Avengers that, you know, can't do anything to solve the problems that are happening, but they might be able to tell everyone that they're about to happen. It's like if the Avengers was made up of guys like Bruce Banner, 
who, but they couldn't turn into the Hulk. Right. Just, just scientists. The, just scientists, yeah. So, you know, they say, they call a big meeting together. They're like, Mr. President, in about 12 months, Thanos and his Starfleet are going to engage on warfare all across of New York City. Half of humanity are going to disappear in the snap of a mighty finger. They're like, oh my God, what are you going to do? Me? What do you mean me? What am I going to... I just told you the thing's going to happen. I'm done. I wrote the paper. The are you gonna do you're the president i'm going on annual leave tomorrow (laughs) i busted my ass to get this report ready break his fingers or something we we have no idea (laughs) you called yourself the avengers i thought you were gonna do something yeah you need that's a separate team why the do you have a stealth jet (laughs) you know it's 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 a valuable valuable in a different sense it is john decided that responses will be rewarded for accuracy timing and unusualness John saw in the future a database for the entire world's psychic visions that could be used to stop bad things happening. He said, We should set about trying to harness and utilize it with a view to preventing further disasters. With practice, it should be possible to detect patterns or peaks which might even suggest the nature and possible date, time, and place of a disaster. Okay, okay. So he was kind of minority report trying to stop things happening. It seems like proximity plays a role in this because the people that predicted that the accident was going to happen were all locals in the town. Uh, some of them were around the country, but yeah, I mean, the first oh, the wow. first ones were, uh, yeah, I think I mentioned they were in like Lancashire and Plymouth. <laughs> but yeah, no one got in touch from like... Zimbabwe yeah. or something. <laughs> I was dreaming they, of cold. I guess they didn't see the ad in the local paper though to write in. That is a good point. That is a good point. But yeah, trippy to think that if any time you had, you know, the other the other night, I had a pretty bad dream of getting chased by someone with a knife. Right, okay. Horrible to think that in some part of the world, probably was someone getting chased with a knife somewhere. That's a really good point. And yeah, maybe I uh, predicted that. Wow. That's yeah, that's dark. That is that's pretty dark. Yeah, that's a dangerously realistic dream. <laughs> to, to ha- did you really have that dream? <laughs> I did actually. Yeah. <laughs> who was it? Bit of a stress dream. Do you know who, who was it in the dream that was chasing you? I mean, I don't want to call them out right here and now, but starts with Rory and oh, Ryan. So it was me? Bowers. I kept saying the podcast was late. The podcast was late. <laughs> Running after you in the streets. That's really how I see you. And as soon as the Bureau is launched, more than 20 warnings come through in the first 48 hours. But no incident happened afterwards to corroborate with those reports. But John isn't put off. He knows there are going to be some dud submissions, but thinks it'll be worth it in the end. If only one major catastrophe could be shown to have been prevented by this means, the project would have been more than justified itself. Perhaps for all time. They got their first chance sooner than they might have thought. On the 21st of March, Alan Hencher phones John Barker at 6am to share a premonition. John, a plane is going to crash. I saw it. It crashed over mountains. 124 people are going to die. Within 30 days, a plane carrying 130 people crashed into a hill in Cyprus. The next day, the headline read, 124 die in airliner. So they didn't do anything? <laughs> well, how could they know? The dream! The premier isn't that the whole point of the, the goddamn mind force? So so he calls up every airline on planet Earth and says <laughs> I, don't know. I had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> they all hang up. You gotta get a couple 
W's under your belt before people Working pick up, up the phone. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's fair. But at least, look, if you're going to assemble this this brain squad of psychic wizards, you need to have then a team of people who can also enforce the protection <laughs> that needs to be brought in to save the, the, the catastrophe from happening. Sure. Because otherwise you're just saying, yeah, I had a dream that a plane crashed and yeah, there it is. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Ding, that's a W. <laughs> The premonition is so startlingly accurate, the newspapers even write about Alan Henscher who phoned it in. He's a phone operator for the post office and began seeing the future after hitting his head in his 20s. He says that when he sees the future, I get a sick headache, a heavy, dull feeling, until it's as if a band of steel were around me head. John Barker was thrilled. Not exactly about the crash with 124 people dying, but... This is just the first of several hits the Bureau will experience. Wow. The majority of which coming from this guy, Alan, and Kathleen Middleton, who we discussed at the beginning. Which kind of makes sense if you think about it. Like, okay, it's a really awesome idea. The idea of anyone in the world can call in and register a premonition. But realistically, how many psychics do we expect to be out there like Kathleen? Yeah. You know, it kind of makes sense that once he's found one or two psychics, they're going to do most of the reporting. There, you put them in the roster, top of the roster. Yeah. I like the idea of uh, him hitting his head, and that's how the premonitions start. <laughs> Very in line with, you know, superhero uh, narratives, you know? Yeah. Something, something befalling some sort of tragedy, and in the wake of that being gifted some sort of incredible power. Spider-Man being bitten by a radioactive spider, I believe. Wasn't the Hulk, like, trapped in a, a machine? And that turned, like, the gamma rays, the radiation turned mm. into the Hulk. I believe that was something like that. You know? I, I like that idea. Yeah, I mean, the annoying thing is, by this logic, I should be able to see the end of time. Right. Uh, y- your whole life has been befalling tragedies. My parents dropped me on my head. I banged my head as three times a day. I did, being honest, I did uh, a couple of years back skateboarding. I uh, fell over off a ledge and whacked my head you off a your head, bin yeah. and a lot uh, of these are just out. <laughs> a lot of these are just banging your head yeah well that's you know, all like, alan did and <laughs> I know, he can it, see the future he did it once and it worked for him i don't think if you banged your head once you didn't get powers you shouldn't keep trying to bang your head harder to get those powers I i'm think maybe not try something trying else. to bang my head <laughs> right. it's just a byproduct of being a <laughs> dumbass <laughs> it would be funny to think if i did get powers the first time and then the second time I hit my head, it immediately wiped out any powers I had. <laughs> this is the equivalent of like, you know, letting yourself get bit by a spider to try and become a superhero. Uh, getting so poisoned, you spend eight months recovering in the hospital. And the day you're released, you're like, all right, no big deal. It was the wrong spider. I need to go back into the jungle. And they're like, no, there is no spider. Yeah, I really think that one of these guys is going to give me the special juice. I really think if more venom would have actually given me the special stuff. It's a bad, yeah, it's a bad idea. If it doesn't work, I think call it quits. You know, if you stick, a, if you stick your fork in the toaster and you get a pretty bad zap. Fork in the toaster is actually... Don't think you're going you to get... No, I'm saying there. don't. Don't get some... Don't Can we just that. pause for a second? I need the bathroom, actually. No, you're, I know what you're going to go do, and I think you're going to put your fork here? in the toaster. Why would you ask that? Why would you ask that if you if you knew the what I thought you were going to do was put a fork in the toaster? I just... I have a... I have a snack here, and I just feel like I would enjoy it 
with a nice fork. That's a packet of gum. You're yeah. holding a packet of mint gum. Why would you want to eat well, that I'm with a, a civilized fork? guy. I'm not going to eat it with my hands, am I? I'm just worried if I give you the fork. I might want to toast the gum. You're going to... I might want to toast the gum. I think it's better hot. So you're going to use the toaster? If you don't mind. And the fork? The fork, I mean, if, sure, if the gum gets stuck at the bottom of the toaster and gets all gummed up, I might try and scrape it out with the fork, sure. I'm also worried that on the way to the toaster, you're going to bang your head. I mean, if there's, is there something hard that would be good for that at like head height? Okay, so you want to also bang your head and then stick the fork I in the toaster? I think at the same time, something interesting could happen. Yeah. You know what? Go for it. I'm not going to babysit you anymore. I think you can. I think you should do it. All right. Wish me luck. <laughs> You're gonna wish you would have to go with this toaster once you see my laser vision. <laughs> You're blind. <laughs> you, you you have no pupils anymore. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Alan Hensher and Kathleen Middleton are... F they're, the, the phones are ringing off the hook from these two. They're calling into the Premonitions Bureau. They both see a train crash on its way into London in their minds. Kathleen predicts a French maritime disaster, Alaskan floods and tornadoes across the United States. The evening before Soviet cosmonaut Vladimir Komarov's return to Earth, Kathleen has a vision of a spaceman feeling a great deal of fear. And indeed... He died on re-entry to Earth the next day. Wow. These are all pretty vivid dreams. Not just a <laughs> hint of something. You know, I didn't feel like I was floating in stars or something. And yeah. I felt a bit sad. It's like, I, I dreamt an astronaut, a Russian astronaut. 
died in space. I got his like, phone okay. number, <laughs> yeah. if we want to call him. Even my dream about getting chased by a, a you, a murderer, I don't really remember the details. <laughs> my, my recollection basically stops at knife, run. Right, right, right. I'm kind of putting the, you, you put the pieces together in your mind after the fact. My brother literally dreamed a week ago that I um, chased him down and injected him with poison. <laughs> so, you so I'm a little in his ear, there can be only one. <laughs> so I'm a little bit worried if you had a dream where Dream Roy was chasing you with a knife <laughs> and my brother had a dream that you're Freddy Krueger. What kind of impression am I giving off in my day-to-day -day life that this is how you all think of me in your dreams? You're <laughs> Freddy Krueger. You are a dream killer. <laughs> my dreams are all butterflies and chocolate rivers. And everyone else's dream, I'm <laughs> Michael from Halloween. Yeah, he said <laughs> yeah, it was I had a dream. It was, it was a zombie apocalypse, but every zombie was Rory. <laughs> he said he had it. He said I injected him with a poison. And then uh, it was one of those moments in a dream where once he was injected, like he can't walk. Oh, you know, one of those, like, that's a good one. He was like, what did you give me? <laughs> and I'm just standing there with a needle. So uh, <laughs> that's so vivid. Yeah, it's really weird, oh, isn't goodness. it? I hope we have um, we have people in the um, the paranormal commune who say they listen to us sometimes when they're going to sleep. Yes. And occasionally we will pop up in their dreams. So hopefully their dream isn't you podcasting and me chasing them around the room <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> I know it's like the, in their dream, they walk into our podcast studio and you just put down the mic and are like, <laughs> you immediately get a knife. I get a fork and a toaster and start chasing them. I would love to know if we have tried to murder you in your dreams. Let us know. Apart from Kyle, Kyle that wasn't a dream, brother. We did come for you <laughs> after, that, after you. that nasty iTunes review. This is where things start to take a dark turn. Suddenly, the premonitions start getting personal. Alan Hensher calls up John one evening. John, I've been worrying about you all day. Check your gas line. I think it might be leaking. Dr. Barker dutifully checks, but there's no problem. But Hensher continues to give ominous warnings. Have you a dark car? Why, yes, Alan. It's dark green. Be very careful. Look after yourself, Dr. Barker. Beads of sweat start to form on John's forehead. Is my life in danger? Yes. Hensher's forewarnings continued for more than a year before Kathleen Middleton started too. She tells him she's seen a vision of him with her deceased parents. She saw it for a week straight until she finally broke down and told Dr. Barker. Dr. Barker writes about these grim prophecies in a memo titled, Some Interesting Predictions and a Possible Death Sentence. It would be wrong for me to say that I was not frightened by a prediction of this nature. I suppose anybody who plays about with precognition in this way, to some extent, sticks his neck out and must accept what he gets. The important thing is, though, for this information to be recorded, so that if anything does happen, it should cause some interest and may stimulate others to continue this important work. The most disturbing part is that during all of this, Middleton and Hensher keep making accurate prophecies. Kathleen knows JFK will be assassinated months before it happens, and calls three times on the morning it happens in a panic. I guess this is the problem, is how do you... Like you say, they should step in and solve this problem. You can't call the president of the United States yeah. and be like, hey, heads up, you're going to get assassinated today. By the way, today. yeah, yeah. Because 
the CIA will track the phone line and think you're the assassin. <laughs> yeah, if you're tipping someone off about getting assassinated the day of their assassination, you're the murderer. <laughs> you're the one who's going to do it. There's only one explanation. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's as you said, that's why you need to have so many 100% hits uh, leading up to this that it becomes a point where people can't avoid it anymore. Exactly. And sure enough... In the early hours of 18th August 1968, Kathleen wakes up breathless. She's sure that the feeling means death. And within a few hours, she'll receive the news that the same day, John Barker died from a brain hemorrhage at his home at the age of 44. Whoa. Rory, what do you think of all these mad predictions we've had so far? Um, wow, this is pretty insane that they kind of predicted he was going to die. There was some weird stuff about a gas leak. And asking about the color of his car. And that was a year before he died. Is that how far forward these premonitions can be? God, hard to imagine, eh? I mean, sometimes in the movies, you know, it's a cool plot device when the person has a premonition that's like 40 years in the future. Right, you know, right, right. They're yeah. a child and they have a vision. And then when they're 45 years old, they're walking down the street and they're like, I've been here before. Yeah. Oh my God. That plane crashes or whatever. How do these people? I don't even remember the dream I had last night. <laughs> How do they remember a dream they had a, a year ago? I guess maybe they're logging it pretty well. I think that's the idea. That's what that's what dream people, uh, <laughs> not people in the dream <laughs> realm, people who know about dreams. That's what they always say: is if you want to start lucid dreaming, you got to start writing down your dreams every morning, and then your brain yeah. gets better at recalling them. Yeah, dream people, as in the people in dreams. Talk mostly about stabbing. Knives. And <laughs> knives. Yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've heard that, that it's good to keep a, a diary by your bed if you want to get into this kind of thing so that you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is turn and just write down whatever you can remember. Because isn't it like most dreams are forgotten within like the first 15 seconds of waking up? Something kind of crazy like that. I think so. Pretty especially cool. when, especially now because of Instagram. Yeah, of course. If there was any hope of remembering a dream, now that like 60% of people on planet earth the first thing they do in the morning is look at their phone yeah you're not remembering anything. sometimes i instagram live waking up like it'll start with my eyes closed i don't even remember <laughs> starting it the app open so all told the bureau of premonitions received 469 entries some foretell horrifying tragedies laden with death and destruction and others just claim to predict the winners of horse races some prophecies came true most did not those horse race ones actually sound pretty interesting. That's maybe, it's a different department, I think, for sure. Some sort of Wolf of Wall Street-esque department. Not really preoccupied with uh, the conservation of human life, but more the conservation of the party. <laughs> and making a little bit of profit. The trouble is, Roy, there's some layers to this. You know, for one, it is astounding that any predictions came true through the Premonitions Bureau. But it doesn't exactly help that some of the practices were less than scientific. For one, the guy in charge of the whole thing is a full-on paranormal believer who is a little biased. Some even wondered if his death could have been equally explained by the nocebo effect. What? You know the placebo effect? Yes. There's a nocebo. Uh, what? A nocebo effect is when believing in something negative happening to you, even if it's not happening, has a real negative effect on you. Right. Rather okay. than a positive one. So while writing his book, he visited tons of fortune tellers to try and predict his own death, despite his suspicion that he was creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right, right. But as an example of how it works, in 2003, men in a trial were given placebos that would cause erectile dysfunction. 
And in the end, despite literally nothing happening to their health, 30% of the men's dick stopped working. Wow. Sorry, you said that there was like a something to fix that? A nocebo? Right. So said, in their case, yeah. uh, I guess all they had to be told was, hey, nothing actually nothing happened. Actually. And then it was all in their head and they were able to, their junk was able to start working. Cool. Again. But but you said there was something that could fix it if it if it was happening. I like that there was a, I didn't say that. You mentioned a pill. You said it. No, someone they, had they a took they took pill? a they took a sugar pill, right? Which didn't do and anything. And that like gave the penis the energy to rise once more. Sorry, I'm just. Like, I didn't say anything is this like, like a, that. I didn't just, say anything like that. I feel like maybe some of our listeners Honestly, out there. I, think, I don't even want to get very hung subject. up on the penis thing at all. It's kind of. It's just like a little aside yeah. about how the nocebo works. So. About how it works. So anyway, we'll look at it, you know, some more premonitions. And, well, just uh, I just want to know, it's like, is the nocebo like, is that an over-the-counter thing or is that like a dark web sort of thing? No, we so don't have to really, really, really we don't not, have to you're not talk listening about this, to what I'm saying because the nocebo, the point is that it doesn't do anything at all. Right, okay. If anything, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it stopped people's dicks working. Hypothetically, well, hypothetically speaking. Yeah. If, you know, there was a listener out there that was having problems downstairs with the little I soldier. would just say, you know, get talk to a doctor or something. You know, okay, okay. You're saying, but belief is what makes it work again. But yeah, I, like, it, it's it like, depends what the issue is. Because, right, okay. But you're saying it's like Santa Claus. We'll like put it if this you way, close your you know, eyes and just say like, rise, tiny soldier, rise, tiny soldier, and just repeat that, you're saying it could, it could come, it could have a second wind. And the pills... I feel like you won't tell me where, where I can get the pills. So in the so case just, of someone who maybe has some kind of mental block, I guess that could work. You know, just taking right. for someone like you, let's say, who... Well, not know, me. I, no, 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 that's not me. It's you, not me. You were like BMXing and you sacked yourself on a rail. In <laughs> uh, someone like your case... I told you that. In, I, that was a, it was in confidence that I told you that. No right. kind of uh, mantra such as, what, rise, little soldier, rise. I don't think I would <laughs> ever... Your penis is in a cast, Look, so... I've, I'm just saying it's pretty I, busted. I've been burned before, all right? I spent 1,500 pounds on what turned out to be a bag of Skittles on the dark web, thinking that they would solve the problem, and they didn't, all right? They burst into flames and <laughs> literally burned my f***ing penis. You're saying it's more of a mental barrier. For, for these people, not for me. Yeah, yeah. For these people yeah, in, no, this, not in for this you. case. For not you, for it's a physical it's issue. A <laughs> but for, for other people. <laughs> for you, it's physical. <laughs> So it's definitely not proven that believing you're going to die will make you die, but it does make us think, what's more likely here? And this is a real question. A psychic paranormal prediction or a really powerful nocebo effect? Right. I mean, this is the thing. Look, if you are so stressed out, you're going to die. You're 100% convinced any day now you're going to die. All of a sudden, you're not sleeping well anymore. You're, you're up late at night smoking cigarettes. There's no time to cook. You're going to die any second. You're ordering <laughs> cheeseburgers off the internet. Of course you're going to die. Your ticker's going to pop any you're second. You're sitting there chanting to yourself, rise, little soldier, rise. And nothing's <laughs> and happening. Nothing's you're happening. stressed <laughs> out of your mind. Whereas, you know, if you're just living your best life, if you're out there, you know, getting up early, exercising, doing yoga, thinking you're an immortal, you've got an erection that'll last seven hours. You've never felt better in your life. You're probably going to live longer. Isn't that what the ad says? It's like, if your erection lasts longer than two hours, call oh, that's a doctor. A, <laughs> that's a problem? <laughs> I thought it meant it was working well. <laughs> I need to cut back on those nocebos, man. <laughs> you dark web Skittles. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're like, those are still Skittles. They're just the sour ones. 
Oh, they, they burn! <laughs> you know, it probably is worth noting that even the foundations of the British Premonitions Bureau were as shaky as the foundations of that shaky mountain of coal above the town of Aberfan. Uh, lots of non-psychic people also predicted that disaster, given that they saw a quarter million cubic meters of coal should not have been balanced uh, uh, precariously on top of a mountain above a school. Yes. Um, residents and officials of Aberfan raised their concerns three years before the landslide, but the National Coal Board ignored their complaints to keep the mine open. But the question remains, Rory, and we have to come down to a conclusion today. Can people really predict the future? Or do some people just have a little bit more intuition than others? I'd love to. Um, I'd love to have the uh, the hit record for this organization because, as you said, it seems like a hotline where pretty much anyone and anyone could call in with any type of premonition they had. Presumably, you're going to get a lot more misses than hits. I'll tell you right now, it wasn't good. All right. Okay. I mean, given that they got all of their predictions from two people. Yeah. Yeah, 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 towards the end especially. And, and they had 469 predictions, and how many did those two people phone in? Probably like a dozen each or something. Yeah. Like, it was a very bad rate. But I think that's okay. I think if when everyone knows the paranormal is a subtle field of inquiry, it's not like a crazy obvious phenomenon we're looking for here. We're looking for the needle in a haystack that proves the exception to the rule. Yes, yeah. I guess it's it's only difficult because, you know, and I don't want this to be an indication of where I'm leaning towards a conclusion of this, but uh, as the saying goes, if you throw enough shit at the wall, <laughs> oh, some God. will stick. Is that, is that the saying? It, it is, isn't it? I guess. Well, there's the shit hitting the fan. Yeah. Then there's th throwing then shit. Then there's the rule that if you throw cooked pasta against a wall and it sticks, it's properly cooked. Is that a saying or just a thing people do? That's a do? thing. Oh, right. And then there's, um, you know, if you hold a buttercup up to your chin and it glows yellow, then you like butter. That's another, That's also a thing. Sure. Uh, not relevant to the case, I of think course. If you open a bag of crisps upside down, it means you're in love. Yeah, I think when we were in school, it either meant you were in love or gay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, could be both the same thing. Exactly. You could just be in love with someone from the same sex. Um, it's really a beautiful thing. It truly is. We were so far ahead of our time <laughs> as 11-year-olds. Uh, we didn't even know it. <laughs> I'm so happy for you, brother, yeah. <laughs> to see that you opened a bag of crisps upside down. Um, yeah, there's a lot of sayings. I think specifically today we're going to throw a... We're, we're going to throw... We're going to throw our shit at the wall and see what sticks. I feel like that's maybe what was happening in these cases. I'm going to take the lead on this one, Rory. All right. I feel like you're, we weren't into that then. I have decided that in the case of the British Premonitions Bureau... Mm -hmm. that not all of the predictions landed were true, were hits, but some were. And I do think that it's possible. I think that people have predicted the future. Now, whether that is pure chance is almost impossible to know. There is many people in the world, many events to predict. But I do think that uncanny, bizarre predictions have occurred. And I think that by definition, predicting the future is paranormal. And that's why I'm going to give it a yes seal of approval today. Wow. Oh my goodness. Uh, I did not expect that from, uh, from, from this case. Not to say it wasn't a great case. You know, there's just lots of conflicting tread sources. Tread lightly. Uh, can you predict what my conclusion is going to be? Here's a way to test it. Hold on, let me just, are, can I use the toaster to... though? Because I feel like that might help. The toaster didn't work before. It definitely didn't. I think if I put my tongue in the toaster? No, I think that will... Just cut out the middle, man. 
Don't need the fork. Cut out the fork? The fork's probably the only thing that kept you alive. <laughs> the middleman took most of the charge. <laughs> right. I'm just making the middleman my tongue. That's like cutting out the body armor in a SWAT raid. Uh, look, how about this? I'm gonna make a prediction right now. I predict I'm gonna win the lottery this week. I'm gonna make that prediction right now. I, I can really, I feel like it's gonna happen. Okay. All right? And I'm gonna buy a lottery ticket. And if I win, then this case is a yes. The predictions are real. I did it myself. And if I do lose this week, it's going to be a no from me. I mean, you, you got to know that makes no sense. It makes a lot of sense you to me right no, now. You have absolutely no established history as a, as a psychic or someone who makes predictions. Oh, I really think if you just for once let me have a bang on the toaster, things will be a little bit different. <laughs> and also, you're not predicting like what's going to happen in the future. You're just saying what you want to happen. I'm gonna <laughs> You're trying to change the future, not predict it. <laughs> You're trying to manifest. This isn't predicting the future. <laughs> um, so all I'm going to say is you're going to have to tune into next week's episode to this of This Paranormal Life to find out whether humans truly can predict the future. And I actually might not be here because if I've won, I'm getting the f*** out of here. I'm not doing another goddamn episode of this podcast. That kind of hurts to hear. So a bit of a, a bit of a hung jury today. We got one yes and one I don't know what the f you want to call that, but one undecided. Very true. Right. Well, I'll be decided. I'll be decided very soon. Hope that is not too dissatisfying <laughs> for our loyal listeners. And thank you so much to Tammy Nichols for sending that one in to us at this point I'm a life podcast at gmail.com. Of course, thank you to Cami Toman for editing and Amy Grisdale for researching this episode. I do hope you enjoyed this week's episode of This Paranormal Life. Uh, we all wait with bated breath to see what Rory, well, how big he wins. If you follow him on Instagram and you see him on a super yacht with models popping bottles. Oh, yeah. Uh, ignoring all COVID laws, <laughs> you know that he's won a couple milli, a couple dollars for sure. Oh, uh, it's going to be, I, I got a good feeling, guys. Maybe it is going to be a double yes this week if the dollars start coming in. <laughs> But if you just cannot wait to, to get that result and until next week's investigation, head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life, where from as little as $5 a month, you get access to every single bonus episode we've ever made for just $5. We've been making those things for almost four years. Yeah. And for just one fell swoop, one fell swipe of your credit card uh, for $5 get access to over approaching 40 investigations. And it'll be interesting to note that, you know, all of your Patreon donations this month and for, well, all of the following months go directly to Kit Greer, uh, the poor, poor son of a bitch who didn't believe that I would actually win the lottery. You haven't won it yet. I feel, now that, you know, that we've talked about it a little bit, I'm actually feeling really confident that this is going to happen. Actually, so confident that, you know what? I'm going to write you a check right now for half a million dollars. Uh, I feel like you could be a little more generous if you're going to win, what, like the Euro millions or something? Uh, just wait to the end of the... I'll pocket that, though, I mean... Wait to the end of the week to cash it, though, because I'm a little dry at the minute. I'll cash, cash it whenever wise. I see Well, fit. no, 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 I, I almost insist because I, I do need to wait for the fortune to come in. Uh, I got a couple other checks that need to be cashed a lot sooner than that one does, And I mean, if you want to... I could get you to sign something else if you don't mind. You could sign sure. this contract to say that the Patreon is mine. Well, I can sign forward. that right now, brother. And All right. Boom. Damn, this is a pretty 
profitable uh, no episode for me. Yeah, so if you want to go and uh, support Kit on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. That would actually be swell. All money goes directly to this poor son of a bitch who uh you can call me whatever you want i've got a check for half a million dollars in my pocket (laughs) which is more than you're gonna win by the way because you ain't gonna win shit i might have been a little too much i might have got carried away a little bit do you mind if i cross off one of the zeros at the end of that check you you only win half a million dollars and sign (laughs) all of it over to me oh shit (laughs) you get all the patreon money out of all of my lottery money (laughs) next week i'm like hosting the podcast on my own all proceeds of the GoFundMe go to per person of a bitch, Roy Pars. <laughs> Everyone redacts their donations. So come on, guys. You, you gave them to Kit. Oh, you assholes. I'll see you in your dreams with a knife, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it. Yeah. Every night I do a f-ing satanic incantation to chase people in their dreams. Rory is right. Uh, the money from the Patreon directly goes towards making this show, making it possible for us to do. It is, weirdly, our job now, which is kind of unfathomable to the people who started making this a few years ago. And it's all possible through your donations at patreon.com. So if you enjoy the show, please head over there and check it out. Of course, there's lots of free content out there, um, not on Patreon. Head on over to youtube.com forward slash this paranormal life where we post up clips, video clips of the episodes. All the links to all our social media and Patreon and everything is in the description of this podcast. Check out the socials to see the video of me scratching the winning ticket live, all right? And then prepare to worship me like a god, because I'm not also rich, but apparently I'm psychic. And Roy's going to be feeling pretty generous when he wins. So if everyone could just comment underneath that video, uh, tagging you and a friend and whoever you want to donate thousand uh, dollars of the winnings rory is going to give away a thousand dollars to every person who comments on that video hell yeah brother plenty to go around the tap is flowing everyone have a drink and in the last couple of weeks we played our brand new single keep running and uh we we implored you to uh, pre-save it on spotify um and so many of you came through we're so thankful it really really makes a huge difference to us releasing the song we really hope you liked it i know some of you did Um, And we did promise uh, that we would give away some merchandise to a few lucky winners uh, who pre-saved the song and gave us their email address. And I can announce those right now. So the winners are Saxon Freiner O'Quinn. Great name. Kat Ann Lorimer Taylor. Another great name. And Nicholas Montoya. Woo! So thank you so much for pre-saving, guys. Um, I've got your emails, so I'm going to contact you about sizes for your prize. Uh, thank you so much to everyone, though, who did enter and who took the time and pre-saved it and hopefully listened to it. Um, hugely helpful. The song is now out everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you get your music. Um, we really hope that you love it. But that just about wraps it up for today. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hope you tune in next week to, to hear all about Rory's a winning ticket. We'll be back next week with a brand new paranormal investigation. See you then. <laughs>